Torah isn't education, it's transformation. This is Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. 101.9 Chai FM, Chai Chinuch with Rabbi G. We are back after two and a half years. It's been pretty much minus plus two and a half years since COVID started, since I've been in this studio last time. What a moment. It's been a very long time uh, missing the show. Uh, great feedback from all of you, lots of you who have reminded me through the two and a half years how much uh, the show meant and how much you learned and grew. So thank you for waiting and bearing with me. Being back in studio is a very big moment. Uh, continuing life after such a interesting time that we went through. And we are here with you together with the listeners. And obviously, it's your show, your time, your space, your discussion, anything you would like to add or share, please SMS 34519 for any of your thoughts or send a telegram 061-895-1019. That's for anything you would want to add or comment. If you want to hear any topic on about education, about community, about anything that's relevant, just message and we will discuss it here on the radio, please God. Very special moment. I'm sitting in front of Craig. I don't think, Craig, I saw you for two and a half years. It's been a long time and always nice to be back to see the staff, to see the studios, to see everybody. A uh, bit of a emotional moment coming in, missing DJ Flo, who was in the show at the time and is no longer uh, with us. Yeah, lots of memories, lots of thoughts. And an interesting side, I was thinking who would be my first guest for this first show? And was wondering between a few, as we know that COVID has affected us tremendously and there are many different changes. And nothing more important to start with would be the social emotional discussion. Funny enough, when I approached um, Nikki Merkin, who is the guest today in the show, who is a speech therapist for over 25 years already in the community and is a social emotional um, teacher, learning, trainer, uh, it's hard to say, I mean, besides for her own practice, uh, she does lectures around the community for schools, for organizations, for parents, talks, workshops for kids, you name it, she does it, if it has to do with uh, the social emotional learning. So when I approached Nikki and I asked her, would she be the first guest in the show, it was an interesting thing to find that she was actually the first guest as well on the show when I started about over five years ago interesting to see how things that were felt so important then still feel top of the focus today and extremely important. And one of the things we're going to be looking at is what are the differences? What were we talking about then, four years ago, five years ago, uh, in the world, in reality, regarding uh, social challenges, communication, what we were facing then, and what we are facing today in the new world after COVID. So, as we um, start to dive into the show, kind of uh, went through my introduction, we do have to take a break before we continue. I'll just say hi right before the break, and then we will talk after the break. Uh, good afternoon, Nikki Merkin, and thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Rabbi. Okay, and this is the time to take a break, <laughs> and we will be right back after a short break. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. <laughs> 101.9 We are back after a short break and ready to dive right into the interview uh, with Nikki Merkin, speech therapist 
and with a great interest into social emotional learning. Okay, good afternoon, Nikki Merkin, again, and thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Reva. Okay, so as I said, you've been in the social emotional field for a very, very long time, mm-hmm. uh, speech therapist for even longer, done amazing work in the community. What's different to our interview today after two and a half years of COVID to what we would focus on in our interviews five years ago? I think COVID has just become another um, risk factor in terms of social skill development. I think there's always risk factors, whether it's mental health issues, whether it's um, learning disabilities, whether it's environmental factors that influence a child's social skills. But now with COVID, I think what we're seeing is this whole other element that now creates an added risk factor. Um, And I think that's having a huge impact on, on what we're seeing today. So let's look at the different aspects of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll start with the most simple. I mean, being in, in a social environment is really hands-on. Doing it through a screen is really distance. Right. You're not part of the environment when you're on a screen. All our schooling, our learning went to screens. Masks, what did that do to us? Mm-hmm. So may, actually maybe that. What did masks do to our social life? So just that social distancing and the masks created that separation, that social need that we all have to connect with each other, it, it made a barrier. And that barrier had repercussions in that it, cre- it created a lack of opportunity to have what we call spontaneous interactions. So what really happened is that we we concentrated in our core networks and that's where most of our socialization happened and all the other stuff that would happen outside of that core, whether it's the family, whether it's the very small community at shore, whatever it may be, there isn't that much, there wasn't much opportunity for practicing or um, experiencing different opportunities. And that break that barrier caused a, a tremendous amount of challenge. Um, so you would you mm. say that kids today feel less safe in, in when it's not their immediate connect, um, friendship circles or connections? Well, we do know COVID has had a huge effect in many different ways, whether it's we understand the loss of life, the loss of economic stability, um, what other reasons, um, long-term medical repercussions that we're seeing now with long COVID, all these kind of things. But what we're seeing is that there are psychological effects to COVID as well, and whether it's depression or anxiety. So although um, the masks are a added element in that, I would say that more the fear and the psychological trauma that we all went through to some extent has a big impact on how safe children feel today. Okay, so mm-hmm. I, I want to dive into that a bit more mm-hmm. beforehand. You know, as I say, we're sitting in the studio talking. Um, really interesting to know what our listeners are experiencing, and I'm sure it we'll get different opinions from different people. Mm-hmm. So question to you, uh, listening to us out there, what are you finding that has affected you or your family, your children, your spouse, your relationship, the distance of COVID? Where is the effect that is related to you and maybe we can discuss based on um, feedback. So for answering that, what has COVID done to your emotional, social communication, you or your family? Please SMS 34519 or send us a telegram, 061-895-1019, 061-895-1019 or SMS 34519. 
how has COVID come into your social interactions and what would you want to hear in what area that's important to you to discuss and figure out so we could learn and gain from this show. So let's start breaking this down a bit more and, and looking into this discussion because you mentioned all the uh, emotional effects and the physical effects and that we didn't even speak about, you know, just going out, uh, that um, healthy communication, even as a sports team, kids are playing ball in a group mm-hmm. and that's connecting. So considering that the emotional and social stress has happened based on a barrier, a barrier, as you're saying, maybe let's not talk about what's happening with inside the family dynamics, because that's kind of, would you say, was safe throughout um, COVID, as kids were with their siblings, probably more intense. <laughs> Definitely more intense, and a lot more anxiety, a lot more fear, a lot more stress. Um, so You know, uh, I have six amazing children, and <laughs> while all the presenters were continuing their show from home, there's a reason I didn't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, right. as a side That's point. That's hard. It's a tough place to be. Yeah, So, mm-hmm. but considering that all that intensity, there still was that sta- safe communication dynamics. Mm-hmm. Are we seeing a drop in schools that kids are having it harder to communicate, uh, going more to their devices, less arrangements, less fluent of communication mm-hmm. and relationships? So I think from the research, we've seen that it's not as bad as they expected it to be. And that's like a really beautiful sign because children are incredibly resilient and they have the ability to bounce back even though they've had difficult times or the barriers or the, the stress. That stress has also given them a, a strength as well, not just a, a difficulty or a, a struggle. But what we are, we, when kids started going back to school, we saw a lot of separation anxiety and having to separate from the parents that they'd been together with every day for so long. We also saw a lot of overstimulation at school. So the kids have been working in much more quiet and contained environments. So now moving into a noisy environment and then all the sensory issues then come about, which makes emotional and social interaction very difficult. Which sensory is also considering that they're not walking anywhere or running or right. playing or going. So there's a, a huge exactly. impact on that. Right. Okay. And we also saw, as they started coming back, a lot of anxiety. What's going to happen? What are my friends going to be like? How am I going to cope? How am I going to manage on the playground? All these kinds of issues. And they were almost like in a fight or flight mode, which meant that they, because we were always in so much fear and anxiety, we didn't know what was going to come next. And I think that that translated into their behavior on the playground and at school, where there was a lot of dysregulated behavior. And I think we're still seeing that at the moment. So I was going to ask, are we Mm. still seeing that? Because it's fair to say, I think, that this school year has gone pretty smooth and it's already happening. We're half a year into the school year. Are we still seeing that anxiety and stress that we haven't seen before? Um, I don't think so. I think it's, as, as I said before, kids are resilient and we've seen it's not as bad as we all thought it would be. But there are definitely after effects that are coming in and creeping in through different ways. Kids have lost basically two years of social opportunities to to socialize, to get together, to learn skills, to, to experiment. And they've really lost out on all that time. So to go into a new environment has been a big challenge. And okay. the teachers are seeing things like being able to manage their own emotions has become more difficult, maybe not being able to regulate when they don't get things that they want. 
struggling to get adult attention, all these kind of little, little things that are sneaking in under the door. Okay. Mm. So so you left me with two huge questions, mm. but we do have to take another ad break. Okay. Um, wondering, you, you know, you're talking about so much about the resilience of kids, mm. wondering, so are we seeing more challenges as the kids are older or, or with adults or teenagers, young adults uh, going through mm. uh, COVID? What are the effects on them as maybe their resilience is not as strong? And the second thing is, okay, so what's do we do to cover this gap? So if we're looking at two years of loss of uh, social skills developing at the critical ages, what are the things we need to work on today to actually start covering and getting uh, closer and and filling in the gaps of what we lost pretty much? We'll be able to hear that after the break, including a question that came in. Uh, We will be looking that shortly right after the break. So in the meantime, Keep on questions coming, 34519, SMS line 061-895-1019. A short break, and we will be right back. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, FM, by G. We are back. Um, so, before we continue this uh, discussion with Nikki Merkin, speech therapist and social-emotional uh learning, training, um, uh, skills, interests that uh, you have and has done amazing in the community. And to go to the question that came in beautifully and my questions before break. Okay, so back to our discussion. I'm here with Nikki Merkin, speech therapist and social-emotional um, learning uh, with the, as a special interest. And any questions, any thoughts, please share with us at 34519 how did COVID affect you and what would you want to know? 34519 is the SMS line. Telegram 061-895-1019. So I'm debating if to go. I told you the question that just came in from the radio from one of the listeners. So thank you for that. It's actually a great question. Uh, wondering on yours, should we continue first with our questions maybe? Yeah. Okay, so what I would want to know is really, are you seeing more of an effect as the kids go older? And are teenagers struggling more with the results of COVID? I mean, I think of a, a child losing the skills of connection between the age of 12 and 14. And now they're like full on. They started COVID as a child and they're full on teenager now. How is that affecting them? Well, socialization is a process. And if the process is interrupted, so there's going to be gaps everywhere. And I think that's what we are seeing to a certain degree. Um what, what I think that we all have to be aware of, that we all went through a trauma. Um, we had disrupted routines in our families. We had added stress in our homes, limited resources, long days in front of screams. Uh, there was abundance of fear and anxiety and a lot of loneliness. And that had a huge effect, I think, on, on teenagers, on young couples or young um, adults who were trying to date or meet people and lack of opportunity to meet. And even um, as older adults, just being involved with the community, that, that really did impact in so many different ways. And, and the effects very much are there. I think there's a lot of people that are struggling to get back into the community. It's, it's harder to go to shul. It's harder to, to go back because we're used to the staying at home or the... the the, the lack of need to perform or to interact. So or what to can we do to make it easier to reintegrate? And the importance, I'm sure pe- we all feel it, but we need that push to take the first step. Right. I think it's time. 
I think it's time. Just time. <laughs> just get up and do it and go out and right. connect. I, I, I have to say, I'm still meeting people in my practice mm -hmm. that are telling me they don't even go out every day. Right. And how, you're going through a day without sunlight. You're going through a day without connecting mm -hmm. or seeing anybody. And, yeah, just going to some place to connect, to communicate is crucial for our emotional mm -hmm. development. Adults, kids, and at all ages, actually. Right. But as we're speaking about forcing, so maybe I will read this mm -hmm. SMS coming in, a beautiful message. First compliment, so thank you for the compliment. Hi, we are so happy to hear you are back, Rabbi G. Uh, was actually ha we actually had a special family experience needing to just be. I wanted to ask, is there a way we can create this family time together, not by force? I love that question. I love that question because it highlights <coughs> that there were beautiful, beautiful benefits to going back into our homes. I think if, if the homes were healthy and the environment was good and stable, it was a beautiful cocoon in which to develop different kinds of skills, whether it's family togetherness, communication skills, um, just self-awareness, patience, <laughs> all these kind of things that we developed while we were in this cocoon. and. I think that the benefits are so beautiful that imagine if we could, if we could recreate that in a place without stress and without fear. And how do we do that? I think one would have to go and have a look and say, what were the benefits? What did we benefit? What are the skills? What are the things? What are the things that I enjoyed being in that environment? And then try to recreate it in a place that is um, open and free. It's got that open door as well and not just the closed door. So, for example, if there was times that we enjoyed speaking and chatting as a family, so to create opportunities for that, whether it's playing games, whether it's doing self-awareness tasks, um, whether it's um, playing different kinds of role play or chats or discussing books, whatever it may be, to recreate those feelings that we, we did experience if it's we amazing. were lucky enough to, to experience them. <laughs> exactly. Mm. But I actually say I, I heard from quite a few people that it was a, a, an amazing experience mm. for their family and strength, the communication and uh, connection. You know, as you were speaking before, it was about the fear and anxiety that mm. we were experiencing during COVID. I'm wondering is also for that trauma, it would be maybe a healing process if we imagine a family would dedicate a few hours a week and say this is our COVID time. Yeah. to break down the bad memories and experience and just say, okay, now we have our special COVID time in the family and we are in lockdown. We right. are here, we are communicating, we are talking, we are enjoying each other. That would be actually maybe a, a beautiful way. So thank you for that comment. Um, shame the uh, person didn't sign their name. Can um, I say one thing about that? I think that one of the elements that would have to be taken care of is technology. And I think technology takes us away from a lot of socialization. And um, maybe load shedding helps a little bit, that sometimes we have opportunities when it's dark and there's nothing to go on to escape from, from connecting with each other. But that beautiful intimacy of being able to connect can only really happen when the devices are away. Um, because this technology takes a lot of space in our homes that could be taken connection. Do you recommend like free zones of technology at home? I, I, I'm very pro limits and um, boundaries. I think technology has beautiful uses, but it's it's dangerous. I remember mm. one of the beginning shows that we had here came up with this concept on the show together with the, per, 
person I was interviewing at the time, I don't remember who it was, and we spoke about technology as a thing that is making people that are far away close and mm. making people that are close far away. Right. And we need to remember that, yes, we have family that we don't see that much and overseas or whatever it is, that that's bringing us closer, mm. but it is actually pushing away the people around us. Right. And this element of pushing away the technology, not being behind screen, being able to communicate directly is crucial and would probably be fair to say that after COVID is even right. worse because uh, we've seen a lot of supplements coming from social media. Even calling it social media, kind of, okay, this is our social virtual life. Right. Okay, so we, we do need to move on. And just let's start talking a bit about how do we actually start covering on a practical level, how do we start covering the, the gaps? What do we need to look out for? Maybe for, let's start with that. What do we need to look out for in our kids to see, okay, there's a skill missing. We can see the effects. Uh, this is where I'm worried about my child. This is where I'm worried about our family, right. our friends. What are we looking for? So I think um, with social interaction, the most important element really is self-awareness. And being able to look out of oneself and into the situation that we are in and being able to understand who am I and who are they and how are they feeling and how am I feeling. And I think that's the first step is to actually come in touch with who you are and what you're feeling and what you're seeing. And if we don't actually reach that place of, of almost quiet mindfulness in a way, we're not going to pick up the signs. We're going to really pick up the symptoms. And the okay. symptoms are often just a symptom of a bigger cause. With that self-awareness, we can maybe go straight to the cause and see, uh, are we dealing with anxiety here? Are we dealing with children who have learning disability and gaps in their learning? Are we seeing um, teenagers who are lonely and don't have friends or struggling knowing how to make friends? So I think that's just that being that's aware. That's a, mm. a, a very important concept that uh, I think we need to look at is, mm. you know, we all know the circles that everybody needs, the Maslow and all the, the levels of mm. uh, sense of connection and community and, and family. And when we live in society, we obviously have responsibility from ourselves towards other people. So I'm responsible for my spouse. I'm responsible for my family, my immediate family, my parents, my siblings, my kids. I'm responsible for that circle. And then I have my responsibilities for my social friends, for my school friends, for my community. I have a responsibility for the people who come to me to my shul, mm. to wider circles. Circles. D would you say that COVID took away a bit of our sense of responsibility towards the people that are more distant from us? Sure, that's a good question. <laughs> I think there were a lot of people in the community that were left alone to fend for themselves. And if you think about their social isolation and the effects of that, I think we both heard quite shocking stories of people who have really struggled in that. And I think not seeing those kind of people took away our responsibility to, to look after them. And if you think of that in a very extreme form, but now move it back into your, your own friends, it's very easy to just stay connected to your core network. You know, and not to be able to see the, the person on the outside who might be struggling or trying to get back in or might have repercussions from, from COVID. So then we may need to be teaching our kids on a very active level right. how to look out for the wider circles. Because mm. we know our kids learn that if you want a pleasant afternoon, you can't fight with your siblings. And if you want a nice day, you have to be friendly with your friends in school. 
but do they know and are we showing them that we're looking out in our shul, in our community, who needs help on the street, who needs help on our block, who needs help in our community? And is I'm, I'm wondering how much that lack of responsibility, or maybe I'm wrong um, in that area, is affecting the understanding of our children today to look out for somebody and therefore to have that healthy social connection. So I would say mm-hmm. more of calling it em- empathy and perspective. And I think empathy is being able to understand what another person might be going through. And perspective is being able to see what another person is, is thinking or feeling or what is their side of the story. And I think when we were so isolated for so long, we really were connected with people who were like-minded. So one of the things that we're seeing today is that we the children are dealing with, with wider personalities than we really used to. So, so now we have to adapt. Not only do I have to be empathetic to my brother or to my mother, I now have to learn how to be empathetic to the person in my class who might be struggling. Or do I have the ability to, to take another person's perspective in a conflict? All these kind of things. So I think that goes a little bit deeper than responsibility. I think responsibility maybe will become an outcome of empathy and perspective. Yeah, uh, I'm <laughs> wondering if it will become an outcome or the, mm. the responsibility will push us to look after them and, and do like another mm. message coming in right now is also unsigned, but thank you so much for the message. A huge demographic that struggled immensely was the elderly. Right. And how much are we aware to look out for the elderly today? Right. I, mean, I know it was for years that kids were going to old age homes and connecting and happy and, and making things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, during COVID, we had to isolate from older people. It was, it was, we were worried for their health. But are we back on track? <laughs> sure, I, I don't think so. Not yet. I'd love <laughs> if the person who just sent this message would uh, obviously also sign your name. But mm. uh, so um, maybe if you could re-message, what do you think today is happening? Are we back on track? Are we there with our elderly developing that social, emotional, healthy connection that is so important for the kids and for the older people. I think the the challenge was was beautiful because I think a lot of elderly people challenge themselves to to make new friends and to find different environments to connect, whether it's people of their own age or people in buildings that we connect with each other, that kind of thing. But if a person didn't have the ability or maybe the financial ability or the emotional ability to reach out to other like-minded people, I think that loneliness could be absolutely devastating and and the, re- the repercussions on mental health, huge. Yeah, mm. com- completely, that we need to look at. So uh, the message did come signed now. It's from Hannah Pell, so thank you, Hannah, for that. Um, I'm, I'm, I, you know what, I, I think we need to ask our listeners. I'd love to hear from them. Uh, what do you think we need to do as a community to widen our areas of interest? As Nikki just mentioned, um, we were very isolated into people that look like us, think like us, are around us, and we haven't been so productive in, in seeing the, the broader um, community and being able to reach out and be connected emotionally and see the other people and actually look for opportunities to connect and to help other people. So what can we do? as families, as communities, for our community? I think it's a huge question, so please, any help from you guys out there? What can we do to improve our communication and social environment? 34519 is SMS line, 34519 SMS, or Telegram, 061 
1019. Quite easy. 061-895-1019. Any thoughts about what we need to do as a community to reach out and connect as well? So the focus that we have today, okay, let's, let's look at the kids that don't have that variety of reaching out. Would you say that's part of what we need to do as parents to actually find opportunities to expose our kids to more people that are diverse? When I think about it, I just think it's going to be a process. It's going to be a process of almost unraveling. I think the the schools are starting, the extramurals are, are happening, and I think it will slowly happen to force things. I think it could also be very intimidating for a, for a lot of kids. And, and let's go slowly and move into to different areas of connection. And the funny thing is that, that when we do do that, there is a tremendous impact on the health of the community. When we're socially responsible or we're socially aware of what's going on inside of us, there's there are tremendous health benefits. It creates a beautiful feeling of satisfaction and an emotional regulation, which is a beautiful, beautiful byproduct of that. That will that will benefit uh, all of us. Interesting. Uh, we're going to see next week, but uh, the nec- the guests next week on the mm. show are the key. And yeah, obviously, yeah. for those who don't know, mm. what, what they've done for the community is uh, is really unbelievable. And um, yeah, so but that anyway, we'll leave the key for next week for whoever went, uh, for what we need to discuss and learn and understand. So, going back into the regular challenges, because you mentioned the ba- the balance between. Mm. We want to expose our kids. We want to help them. We want to give them tools, but we do not want to overwhelm them. Right. How do I identify that? I don't know if I'm a pushy mom or mm-hmm. a controlling mom. To be honest, I don't know the answer. I can just see what I've seen in my own practice, that there are mothers that are coming in with tremendous, tremendous anxiety. How are my kids going to cope? How are they going to get back into the world? And that pressure can backfire. It can really backfire. And... There are other mothers that are taking it slowly and going with the flow and giving the kids the skills as we go along to develop the, the skills, the, the toolbox in order to reintegrate into a, a faster life. And Perhaps hopefully the take mothers the, are panicking because they're not having their social needs met. They're not having their social needs. And not only that, they are, I feel a lot of people don't have the, the social skills themselves in order to, to manage their own feelings and their own social interactions. And it's spilling over to the children. So I think we mm. need to touch base on that definitely right mm. after the break. Um, what is our social emotional stress and um, you know, needs uncovered affecting the next generation and how that social healthiness comes into place? Uh, 101.9 G. I'm here with Nikki Merkin, uh, speech therapist, and as we said, social emotional learning as a great interest. Um, stay with us, short ad break, and we will be right back. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 We are back in the middle of a fascinating discussion with Nikki Merkin who is a speech therapist for many years in this community and a special uh, full on interest in social emotional learning. So before we continue, an important announcement, and then we are back into this um, discussion we had before regarding kids and parents and the overlaps of their emotional needs. Yeah, if a warm, nurturing, and safe environment is what you expect from a nursery school, 
then King David's Victory Park pre-primary is the place for your family. If you're looking for a school where creativity, social and emotional skills, and Jewish values run deep, then you shouldn't miss the King David Victory Park pre-primary open day on Friday, the 19th of August. Enjoy a fun morning making challah with your child, chatting to teachers, and experiencing this special school. You'll quickly see why King David Victory Park is the place where everybody knows your name. Call King David Victory Park for more details. Okay. So, back into our discussion. As I said, I'm here mm -hmm. with Nikki Merkin, uh, speech therapist and social-emotional learning um, as an interest. I want to discuss kind of what we're seeing overseas and mm -hmm. see how it affects our community. We generally see in different places in the world that kids develop by playing with kids. After school, the kids run out and have a, to their friends. They go out to the park, and the moms are sitting and chatting in one corner, and the kids are playing and having their interactions. We see activities for adults. We see activities for kids. And that can, um, healthy, appropriate relationship can form between kids. Unfortunately, considering the security situation in South Africa, we generally see kids always with adults. Mm. Yes, it has its values, especially when we come for look at um, protection for the kids. It also has its toll. Um, some of us as adults are more worried about things that kids shouldn't be listening to all day, about maybe corruption, maybe future, maybe um, worries, financial stress. All these things are affecting our kids. Do we not need to create more safe spaces for kids and for adults separately, meaning addressing the community in that space? Or what can we do maybe to, on a practical level, to allow kids have kids' time and maybe the adults, while they're with kids, let them be kids a bit instead of the kids discussing with their parents. And I see this all the time about finances, about worries, about stress, about future. Is that not a bit overwhelming? Yeah, so if you think about how um, we learn social skills, so there are two different environments. The first one is we learn social skills from our caregivers. So we learn them. We're taught by our parents, by our teachers. They teach us certain norms and how to behave in certain situations, and that's where we learn the skill. But there's n another huge part where we put where we learn the skill, and that's on the playground. And the playground, I always say, is a very, very messy place because this is the opportunity that children get to take everything that we role modeled, hopefully, and talk to them. And now they have to put it into into place. And it's very, very hard, and it's messy, and it's sore, and it's painful, and it's and it's not a very fun place to be on the playground. Sometimes it's it, it can be very painful for children. But this is exactly where they learn to take the things that we've taught them and then put them into practice. And so that's why I agree. I agree that this this need for space and for playing and for freedom is so, so important because the children will learn to develop their own social hierarchies, to deal with their own different conflict resolution patterns, different ways of learning self-control. And if we take that away from them, so we're not really giving them that opportunity to put it into place by themselves. But I, I'm a bit scared to let them at it by themselves because <laughs> that's often where we see bullying. That's where we see a lot of the unhealthy socialization that we do need to look out for. We do need to look out for vulnerable children. We do need to look out for, for dangerous children or d 
things that chas v'shalom can be dangerous. So but how much? Maybe we need to empower our kids and trust them and then trust them that they'll come to us when they are being bullied and trust them that they'll come to us mm-hmm. when there are threats. But uh, I'm wondering where the balance comes in of letting the kids, because mm-hmm. uh, there are bullying situations and there are kids that are offensive and that's in way. That's life. <laughs> that's life. <laughs> Not that I'm saying it's, it, when I say it's life, you'll say, so you agree with it? No, I mm-hmm. don't agree with it. It's horrible, but it's life. So we also need to empower our kids to go out there, experiment, and if they're having a hard time, we can we trust them to come tell us? I think if we built our kids to have those skills, yes. But I don't know how many kids do have those skills today. So how do we do that? We have a very short time left. What I just want to say, I'm okay. going to be rude, that, that I do believe that those situations need to be facilitated. There does need to be an adult in those environments. There does need to be a safe place for people to be uh, or to come to in those environments. That it's not just a free-for-all. That there is a place that you could come in for support and for help but there's still opportunity Which for Which is ex- exactly the space that yes. we're creating now, but that's a different topic, right. <laughs> the space. But that's they are definitely that, um, that is mm. what we're looking at. Can, so, can one do that at their home? For sure. Um, you know what they call helicopter parenting and those parents that are, are there to solve the problems and tell everybody what they need to do. It's actually opening the door for a bit of mess and a bit of uncomfortableness and being able to let the kids sort it out a little bit by themselves and if they need help because one of the ways of solving and resolving conflict is to get help there are right. many different ways like compromising or nego- negotiating or trading whatever it may be but one of the options is to get help when needed and and that needs to be an option and not right. the only option <laughs> Right. So mm-hmm. I, I think maybe perhaps, you know, something that's coming to mind and, and we're doing it. If we take Shabbos afternoon, imagine mm-hmm. that every family would make time to invite five, six families that live on the road for the kids to come over and have like a playground. Our gardens are big, mm-hmm. many of them. Uh, there's kids are quite bored Shabbos right. afternoon. You finish the meal. There's not really much happening. If we can just in every few houses, we'll we'll even if you alternate between families. So you have every Shabbat, on our road, Shabbos mm-hmm. afternoon, this time everybody will come to this house or everybody will come to this house or the next house. We could create that social dynamic. That I like that because it's building community, but it's also making space for everyone, which I think is also very important because it's not just the people who you get along with. It's there's space for all of us. There's space for you, even if you're a little bit different or, or do things in a different way. We still can to include you and, and welcome you into that. That's amazing. Reaching out to your neighbors mm-hmm. in key, even if they're not necessarily your best friends. Right. And just this room for everybody. I'm oh, wondering, who, who of our listeners? <laughs> Let me know what you know. Are you keen? Are you starting to invite your neighbors just for a Shabbos afternoon once in a time and let the whole community come? You'll have 10 kids in your garden. That would be amazing. I wonder thoughts anybody wants to add three four five one nine SMS line if you think that would work in your area or you would... Um, make something happen there or telegram 061-895-1019 so uh, we already have to go to our last ad break I can't believe that this show has gone so we waited two and a half years for such a short show I guess okay I don't know so we are ready for our last ad break and then we will be right back for the final discussion of this um, show uh, 
Be with us very short. 101.9. We will be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9. We are back to the last few minutes of the show. Uh, just to say one thing that somebody mentioned, uh, we do have a um, broadcast WhatsApp group. If you want to know ahead of time who's going to be on the show, uh, that you could get these messages to know uh, and be aware so you could prepare your questions or focus if this is the therapist you need to hear or the professional you want to hear. So if you would like to be added to this broadcast group, just message uh, 34519 as SMS line and just say your name and number and that you'd like to be added to this message and you'll get a weekly message about who's going to speak uh, and be on the show and what are the topics as well as you could send it on 061-895-1019, and you will be uh, getting that information on the group. 34519 is a SMS line, 061-895-1019. And to mention that next week, as I said, we will be speaking to the key, uh, who's done unbelievable work in the community exactly in that area of helping and reaching out in social um needs and therapy, etc., which we'll be talking about next week. What I want to end off with um, here with Nikki Merkin, um, speech therapist and social-emotional learning as an interest, going to therapy is very important and great. Mm. However, that's not a solution for life. And parents are the primary caregivers of the kids and then the teachers. What skills are available? What can we tell parents in order to fill in that role? They're not therapists, but they are there for their kids, and we can upskill their social connection. Or what would you recommend where to reach out, how to start looking and seeing what's available for every parent to train themselves to be there for their children and not be so scared, I can't do that, I'm not a good enough parent, etc.? So I think there's a huge need for upskilling. I don't think social and emotional um, development is is fully understood. And I think a lot of people get nervous when having to to deal with social stuff that happens, myself included. But I often (laughs) go back to my own principles to to go through and work it. And I I think that parents can upskill, teachers can upskill understanding what are the elements of social development, what are the elements that I need to teach my children, how do I go about it, because this is my very passionate part, is that what we want our children to learn, we need to learn ourselves, and we have to model it. So when we want our child to, to, to resolve conflicts or we need them to learn how to manage their emotions or to, to deal with their own self-control, well, we have to do that as well. <laughs> we have to learn how to manage our emotions, to be self-aware, to, to, to be less impulsive, to know how to resolve conflicts instead of just acting out. And so it's, it's a process well, that's Well, you left really us powerful. knowing that we need to learn something. <laughs> um, yeah, so we need to look for that as a community and reach out. And obviously on this show, we'll try help with these skills and um, every week have different people uh, to discuss. But definitely what we need to do, you know, our responsibility is not to know everything, but our responsibility is to reach out and get that information. And yeah, I think that no better way to end with that. And I'm ending, I missed Craig for so long mm-hmm. uh, telling me, Get moving, get moving. We need to end. You run the show perfectly. So thank you, Craig. Thank you, Nikki Merkin, uh, for being here. Uh, It's been very uh, um, interesting, beneficial, and growth. As I said, next week we'll have the key here for any questions. And if you do want to be 
knowing ahead of time what professionals we're going to have on the show, who's going to be coming, send in your number and name to 34519 as an SMS or 0618951019 as a Telegram message. And please, God, you will be getting those messages and knowing. I'll just end with this. Mm-hmm. This show will be recorded, can be found on the website, and you could hear Nikki Merkin again and again and until you get these skills. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with me. We will be right back next week, Monday, at 2 o'clock. In the meantime, have a great, safe week.